Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Our next guest is a columnist at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, also an adjunct professor at SMU. He might be an Instagram model. He might be a former NBA center. That's what it says on his Twitter profile. But Mac Ingle, he knows what the hell's going on. That's why we bring him on the show. How are you, man? I'm great, John. Thank you very much for having me on. I've been a big admirer of yours for a while, and I appreciate the chance to be on your show. Thank you. Now, I was looking at your Twitter you know, prior to the show, and I saw a column you wrote about the Rangers, and you said that the MVP this season is not Corey Seager, which is going to cause people to be real upset. But you say the MVP is air conditioning. How hot is it in Dallas-Fort Worth? Imagine the surface of the sun. (laughs) Now imagine it 10 degrees hotter. It is so ungodly hot here. I don't know why I live here. I, I know you've lived up in the north. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I know seasonal mood disorder is a real thing because I grew up in the Midwest, and I know about those winters and when those days when you're pretty convinced you're never going to see the sun. And I'm sure the great people in Portland and up in Seattle and all over uh, Washington and Oregon can relate to seasonal mood disorder. I see the sun now right outside my bedroom and I'm looking at it for what feels like the 98th consecutive day, and all I want is some patch of cloud cover. That's all I want, and I'm not going to get it until maybe mid-September. Amen. Amen. Now, did you grow up there, or did someone, like, do you have someone to blame? Like, who moved there in your family? Oh, good point. No, that's a great point, because especially as you get older in life, the first thing you need is someone to blame for all of your life's failures and bad decisions. (laughs) And no, I I can't blame this on my wife. And like any good marriage, it's built around casting and blaming her or them for whatever they did that put you in this spot. I can't blame her. I'd like to. I blame her for a lot of other things. I can't blame her for this. I can't blame her for mom and dad. I came down here because of graduate school, and I was working at TCU when it was in a whack. That was back in 1996. That's how long ago it was. And they offered me free college education for a master's degree that I never used. Ever. (laughs) So, no, to answer your question now, when you call me like January 10th and it's 75 degrees, brother, let me just tell you how happy I'm going to be. But right now, right now, July 11th at 523 p.m. Central Time, where it's 158 degrees, no, this sucks, and it's all my fault that I'm here. Mac Engel, columnist, Fort Worth Star-Telegram with us. Uh, Big 12 country, let's start there because you're in the heart of it. Pac-12, I think, rocked a couple of Fridays ago or Thursdays ago when uh, USC and UCLA left. Uh, what what was the reaction from uh, your time zone on that? Uh, everybody, it's twofold. One, if you're a Texas A&M fan or you're a Texas fan, you're bulletproof. And whatever anybody else does doesn't matter to you because you are above the waterline forever. So college football could go down to 10 teams, and you know, as an A&M alum or fan or Texas alum or fan, you're fine, even though neither of your teams 
ever win the national championship. It doesn't matter. For every other school in the state, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, SMU, Houston, and then the rest, there's like a thousand of them, it scared the hell out of everybody because everybody is just only too sure that this increased consolidation of wealth in college sports is going to exclude them. And they may be right. I, I don't know, John. I, I don't know. But I, to answer your question directly, uh, it scares a lot of people here for a lot of good reasons. I, I'm, I'm not as scared as just an observer who's been around for a long time, but I understand the fear, especially if you're at TCU or at SMU or Baylor, where you think, oh, no, we're small school. That means we're vulnerable, and they're going to leave us out. That's a justifiable fear. That, that, that fear is not without merit. But I think if you really look at it, if you really, really look at it, and I talked to Tim Brando today for a long time. Uh, he's a long-time college sports um, play-by-play guy. He's been around, been around the game forever. I, I, I think more changes are coming. Like, and I followed your great work on it for the last few weeks. Um, and I'd be worried about it, but I don't think it's panic time. Like, oh, no, we're not going to be a part of this model. I don't think we're there yet, and I don't think we will be for a long time. Where does SMU fit into this? Because I keep hearing, you know, again, that, that Dallas-Fort Worth television market would be awfully attractive, I think, to the Pac-12, and SMU comes up. Is, is SMU interested at all in possibly lining up with something like the Pac-12 or a blend of the Big 12, Pac-12? A minute. They would run over all of their mothers if they would get it because <laughs> – even though SMU is a national, I mean, we, you know how this goes. SMU is a nationally renowned name in private education and higher education. There's a lot of very prominent, wealthy people who send their kids there. And that's a good school. It's in a really nice part of Dallas. But if you looked at it, that athletic department has poured money into that school. And if I think if you were to ask somebody nationally, you know, hey, gee whiz, where do you compare TCU to SMU? Forever and ever and ever, SMU is you know, light years ahead of TCU in terms of national perception. But in the last 20 years, because of TCU's success in athletics, and certainly its place in the Big 12, it's closed the gap. And that's just the reality of it. And when it comes to marketing a university, nothing is more successful than a winning football team. If you're not an Ivy League school, North Carolina, Northwestern, Stanford, Berkeley, something like that, you've got to have a hook. And athletics is a hook for a lot of people for a lot of schools. So I think SMU would do whatever it takes. I think the problem is, John, networks don't want them because even though it's in Dallas, it's a tiny school, and its relationship with Dallas is like that of a very exclusive island uh, in a very, very exclusive part of, of Dallas, the neighborhood, and that's about it. I mean, it's a small, exclusive school. I don't know what the equivalent would that be in the Northwest, the one that jumps to mind is the University of Seattle, but SMU's name is so much different. Like the, the, name, the name Dallas isn't even in it. So I, I think SMU would do, if, if, a, if a network or a conference said, hey, you could be in this Power 5 league, but the price tag's $25 million, they would pay it yesterday. But I don't think they're going to be invited to that discussion unless something dramatic changes. Mac Angle with us, columnist, Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Also, uh, you work as a professor at SMU. Uh, let me ask you, like, the Big 12 went through this with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, and it was probably a shock to the system. The Pac-12 is dealing with some of that. What can you tell fans in the Pac-12 footprint 
about what the Big 12 has been through? Uh, I would say the first thing you have to get over the hurt, and I know that sounds crazy, but there is hurt involved in this because you feel a certain sense of betrayal. I know people in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State felt it. I know people all over the state of Texas felt it. There was a lot of anger, and I'm not, and I'm sure you're going through it now with people at USC and UCLA. This is like real anger. This is like you're going to hurt my my business. You're going to hurt my uh, the amount of business that I that I expect to do every year at my sports bar when USC comes to town or UCLA basketball or whatever. And that's scary for a lot of people. Um, I would say once you get over that shock that your two signature members of a conference had left for more money, you will realize that it's going to be okay. You know, when I talked to Brando today, he mentioned something that I think I had, I forgot, which is there just remains this time zone bias against the West Coast. And I, some of it's real now more than ever because, you know, the West Coast has to play these games so late. And I, and I love Pac-12 after dark. I think it's one of the neatest things going. But it's late, and especially as you get older, like, I gotta, I'm going to fall asleep. And but it's still, man, when I was there, like at a game, I went to a game at UW a couple of years ago when they were playing Arizona State. That's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in college sports. It's a, it's a fantastic scene. I, I think once, if you can get around that and know that the West Coast and the Pacific time zone and the mountain time zone, too, offers a huge population and a lot of great student-athletes, it's going to be okay. Will it be what it once was? Probably not, but it's going to be okay. I, I do think, John, my own personal feeling is that all these networks are not just going to throw in the toilet all of this inventory for just Big Ten and SEC games. That's not enough games. And, John, I wrote this the other day. I'm sorry. I know SEC marketing is great. And that's phenomenal. But I'm sorry, you can't tell me there's really that much difference between Kentucky versus Missouri on SEC Saturday than Oregon State versus Arizona State on Saturday at 8 o'clock. They're the same game. They're, they're the exact same game. The marketing is a little cuter, but they're the exact same game. You have about 8 to 10 teams every year that are cut above everybody else. And within those eight to ten, you have about two or three that are better than everybody else. And in college football, it's always been that way. So I think what's going to happen is that the power five may become a power four or a main power five. The names are going to remain the names. They're going to expand the playoffs from four to eight, 12, or whatever it is. And then you have two conferences that make a lot more money than everybody else, and everybody else is above the waterline. And as long as those 50 or 55 schools have the affiliation, with a power five name and a spot in the college football playoff, we will go on for, with business as usual for however long, and that's just the way it's going to be. Mac Engel, our guest, columnist at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. The Big 12, there was initial reports that they might be interested in poaching some uh, of the Pac-12 teams. I've now sort of heard that it, it's the Pac-12 that may be looking. Do you think um, there's a merger that could potentially form here, or does it have to be one cannibalizing the other? I don't see why they're – that's a good question. Do you have to cannibalize? I hope not. I, I, I hope not. Um, I just don't see 
And I hear the stuff about alliance and partnership and all this stuff. I, I John, I don't see the. And I know you talked to the Fox guy the other day, the retired Fox executive. Yeah. You know, maybe he could speak to it certainly with a lot more expertise than I could. Is there a genuine benefit to merging the Pac-12 and the Big 12? I understood last year talking to people who knew, who really knew the Pac-12 when they were seriously considered expanding. There were two schools they had in mind, primarily because of the time zones and their access to the respective markets, TCU and Dallas Fort Worth, and Houston, obviously, in, in the city of Houston. Because they spent a ton of money on athletics, they've been pretty competitive, and they're in massive markets. And I understood the Pac-12's desire to be in, have a foothold in the central time zone. I don't think anybody could argue that there, that, that league doesn't have a need for, for some of that. I, I get that. But I, but beyond that, man, I don't know. I, I Does the Pac-10 really need to get bigger? Does it, I mean, it survived before. You really, I mean, I understand you've got to have more inventory and, you know, it's all about, you know, all that revenue junk. I, if I'm the Big 12, yeah, you know, clearly they're getting ready to lose two monsters. Uh, if you can get if you can get those four schools, go for it. But in my mind, John, I go back to this one inescapable point. The point of college athletics was supposed to be a zero-sum, zero-net game. No one makes any money. They just break even. Well, it's changed a lot. If we're going to be a business, then just call it a business. And to hell with everything else. And what athletic directors really are are not athletic directors. They're ticket salesmen. And they're basically team presidents. That's what they are. So let's just call it that. But if not, then get away from the charade of academics. And, oh, gee whiz, we're not sure if we're, we're aligned with them academically. Go to hell. You don't care about that. They don't. And so it's not. Then, then get away from it. And in my mind, leave everything as is. They won't. But if, if the Big 12 is going to do anything, if they're going to do anything, then hook up with, you know, the power names that exist. I just don't see what anybody's going to do until Notre Dame makes up their minds. And my impression with that, that could be another year or two before they do anything. And you and I both know they may not do anything. But I think everybody's scared right now. They're talking to everybody and they're panicking. And we least talking to one high-ranking administrator of a prominent school here in Texas. He said, honestly, Nobody knows what's going to happen because it changes from one minute to the next because none of us really knows. What's right for TCU? Um, I think what's right for TCU is the same as Baylor, Texas Tech, and Houston, which is, by all means, remain as a Power 5 name. You and I both know all those schools that I just mentioned are not going to win a national championship in football. They're not. Their best bet is get into the playoff and just be close. That, that, that's their best bet. And, my God, I looked at those good Washington teams that they had under Chris Peterson. They got their brains kicked in. I mean, look at, look at the, the difference between one versus four in the college football playoff. It's, it's huge. I mean, and it, it's not going to really change. It's always been kind of that way. So I think if you're TCU, Baylor, uh, Houston, and Texas Tech, your one goal, your goal as a university is to retain the Power 5 brand because the gap that exists in perception between those schools and the group of five schools is massive. And when you're trying to reach students from all over the United States, 
you want to be able to sell Sports Saturday fun. It's the thing that's baffling to me about UW and Oregon. Man, those guys can sell, sell Sports Saturday fun as well as any school, I think, or I thought. Maybe I'm on drugs. But that's what you want to be able to sell because now more than ever, when you're selling higher education, no one cares about the library. No one cares about the, the, oh, our business school's great. John, every school in America says the business school's great. <laughs> what kids are looking for is, I think they do. Oh, I'm a business major. Do you know what cost you take it? No, but I'm a business major. Great. That means you can sell, be a pharmaceutical rep. Outstanding. So what they're really looking for is moms and dads who feel good about sending their sons and daughters to this particular school. They're going to have a lot of fun. They're going to love the ducks. They're going to love the huskies. They're going to love the beavers. And they're going to have a lot of fun. They're going to get drunk with their friends. They're going to make friends for life. And they got a four-year degree that said that really was more about fun than it was higher education. Because the truth is, when it comes to higher education, thanks to the Internet, we can be uh, stratospherically intelligent at the charge of a Wi-Fi router for a month, whatever that is. That, that's just the truth. So what you're really selling now is fun, four-year fun. And to do that, You've got to be associated with the highest brand in college sports, and that is Power Five. It ain't Group of Five; it's Power Five. And as long as those schools that I just, that you asked me about have that, they're fine, and that's their goal. Mac Engel, our guest, Fort Worth Star Telegram columnist, also wrote a book called "Pigskin Rapture: Four Days in the Life of Texas Football." You can find that at macengel.com. What made you write the book? What prompted that? Money. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, a guy called me. And I, have you written books, John? No. Okay, so it's kind of like a marathon, uh, only a lot further, not as much fun, and a lot harder in your life. So I've done four. That was the fourth one I'd done. A guy called me a publisher in Maryland or wherever. He's a really nice guy. He says, hey, i got this great idea. I want to go to four games in Texas in four nights. I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. So I went to a college, no, I went to an NFL game on Thursday in Houston. I went to a high school game, the Friday Night Lights High School in West Texas. We flew out there first thing Friday morning. We drove through the night, and then I went to Texas, Oklahoma on Saturday in Dallas. And then on Sunday, I went to the Cowboys Patriots uh, at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington. And I wrote about, I'm really proud of it. I'm glad, I appreciate you asking me sincerely. It was a neat experience because, man, and I, and I know you've done this for a long time, the thing that makes sports so great, yeah, I mean, you, watching a guy catch a touchdown pass is cool. It was just the people. You go to these high schools, you meet cheerleaders, you meet band members, you meet these people. And what I didn't really realize, and I don't know if Oregon has an equivalent, I think even though I've lived here for 20-some years, I think I forgot just how much sports and specifically football is a part of everyday fabric of our lives down here. And it, it really didn't hit me until I did it. I'm like, oh, my God. And so everywhere I went, I just fell into football. And there's more football. And there's more football. And there's more football. And it's the stories behind it. And uh, the pictures were fantastic. It was a great experience. And I'm really, uh, you know, they could have paid me nothing, and I would have done it. But it was, it was a really fun experience. And for people who like football and you know, travel and culture of the state, it's a great way to go, and it's a great way to see the state. Dan, and you, it connects you really with what you'll probably love and why you get in this business. It connects you with the games, the events, the smiles, the smell of a stadium, the 
pepper steak sandwich you can get at a high school game. You know, it it, it really brings it back. It really did. And, and I went to some barbecue places. Um, I, you know, I went to a high school one time and turned out the player who was the head coach. He had played for Eddie Robinson at Grambling. Uh, and then I go out to West Texas and I get lost. I can't tell you how hard it is to get lost in West Texas. I drove one time in Central Oregon, and I thought it was hard to get lost there. We were going down to Crater Lake, and I actually got lost there. I still don't know how I did it, but I managed to get lost in West Texas. Sure enough, I run into this tiny little high school. I mean tiny little high school, and it was having a pep rally for the high school game there that night. And it's got this, I mean, there's no money in this town, none. But they've got a football field that you could have eaten lunch off of. It was so pretty and pristine. The people are great, and, you know, they're pulling up, and the high school kids are pulling up in pickup trucks with shotgun racks, and right beyond the end zone, I'll never forget this, right beyond the end zone is an oil derrick pumping oil. And that's just part of the fabric of their life. It's just, it's just, and every, and every part of the United States has that. And I grew up in Indiana when basketball, specifically high school basketball, really ruled that state with iron fist. And every state has that. And with Texas, it, I, know, I know people make a big deal out of it, but I, it wasn't until I did that book that I was like, you could fill up virtually every day of the week with football if you wanted to. Even though it's a sport that's only played one day of the week, you could literally fill up your life with it. And a lot of people do. And for a lot of people, it is a connection to their sons, to their daughters, to their communities in a way that even if you hate the game, those relationships are very special. Mac Engel, you're the best. I appreciate you, man. And you stay inside until uh, at least September, October, when it starts <laughs> to cool down. But I got to tell you, here in Oregon this week, we're going to see some 90s. I mean, that that doesn't that probably feels like a nice shady day for you. I would kill for 90 degrees. We went up there a couple <laughs> of years ago. We did the whole Northwest thing. We we drove. We flew into Seattle and drove down the coast, and I loved it. Man, I loved Oregon. I loved Oregon. I tell everybody, I was like, God, you got to go to the Oregon coast, Cannon Beach. I loved it. Astoria, I really did. But right now, 90 degrees, I'm sure that feels like, you know, hotter than hell for you all. I would kill for 90 degrees right now because yeah. I know I won't see it. I Like, it's cold. I won't see a high of 90 degrees until September at the earliest. Mac Angle. Take care of yourself. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Thank you, John, very much. Great stuff. I mean, love that. I mean, highly entertaining, first of all. And then, on top of that, you talk about uh, the viewpoint from SMU, the viewpoint from TCU, the, uh, the, the mentality of a, of a fan base or a region that has been through losing Texas and Oklahoma already. I think, uh, I think, it's, uh, I think it's a wonderful opportunity uh, for – uh, the rest of us to kind of study what that region did in the wake of that. And I agree with Engel in principle that, you know, it should work with the Big 12 Conference and the Pac-12 Conference coming together in some form or fashion. Uh, I am being told that the Pac-12 wants to stick together with its 10 members, but if they're going to add some members or create a partnership with the ACC, is there anything in the Big 12 that they would be interested? I And, and by the way, when I say they – it's not really the conference. It's more television. You know, ESPN is going to play kingmaker here. ESPN is probably the entity, unless Fox 
gets interested in a blend of the Big 12 and the Pac-12, ESPN feels like the player here that would come in with the strongest bid. I want you to leave it here. More on that coming up. you got the BFT statewide. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.